Welcome to the Playful Spirituality Podcast, a place to reconnect to spirit, to reclaim your unbridled wildness, and to bring you home to you. I'm Kara Viana, and I'm honored to be on this adventure with you. This is a place to discover your magic and your superpowers. And yes, you definitely have them. It's designed to tap you into the unconditional love and support flowing to you and to help you access that wild, unbridled joy that we so often lose touch with. You can expect all sorts of resources, from spiritual and practical tools and teachings, to guided meditations and energy healing. We'll have some special guests and even some live readings. This show is for all of us who are humaning, to help you navigate this ride of life. If you are open to a little more support, more ease, a broader connection to the universe and to yourself, then stay tuned and find out what might be possible with an infusion of playful spirituality. Welcome to the show. Today is our official first episode, and I'm going to start off by telling you my story And I'm going to do that for a couple of important reasons. Number one is it lets you know who I am, so that's cool. But much more important than that is that I think there will be pieces of it that you can relate to, that you might be able to take and use as some kind of insight or um, perhaps about yourself, perhaps about someone in your life. So the story starts at birth. But don't worry, because we're going to do a lot of fast forwarding. This is going to be the short and condensed Cliff Notes version. <laughs> I was born a very, very sensitive kid, which during my childhood looked like headaches or stomach aches when I was around certain people or certain people who were in certain energies, certain moods. Um, today, we might have said that I was an empath. That wasn't a word then. <laughs> It went on through childhood that I was this little sponge and soaking up the world around me and it was having an impact on me and what I could and couldn't do and the way that things were. I'm going to tell you a few little stories that give you kind of a snippet, but I want you to understand that I really did have a beautiful, happy childhood. I have the coolest family. So I had a really loving, wonderful childhood. And also, there were some challenges with being as sensitive as I am. It made it really hard to be around a lot of people or a lot of people's energy as I was absorbing um, energy and emotion from the people around me. What that looked like as a kid when I didn't know that I was any different and I didn't understand what was mine and what wasn't. And um, especially as kids, as empathic kids, we have a tendency to assume everything is about us because we don't really understand yet that someone else's emotions are theirs and that we're picking up on them. So there were a lot of challenges in school, you can imagine. My mom actually moved me to a different school several times in my life. The first time being in first grade, she drove me all the way uh, two towns away and picked me up, drove me and picked me up so that I could finish out the year at a school that was healthier for me. So a lot of times when I was at school, I would go into the nurse's office and call my mom to pick me up. I would call saying I was sick, I had a headache, I had a stomach ache, I didn't feel good. I was never lying. Um, It was always true, 
It's just where it was coming from that was not what you'd guess. I wasn't sick because I had a bug. I was sick because of all the energy that I'd been picking up. And I have this memory of sitting in the nurse's office one time after I'd called my mom and the nurse was in the other front office talking to like the school secretary or whatever. And I remember them saying, there's something really wrong with that little girl. And I remember being like, a little surprised, like, wait, what? <laughs> because they didn't know that as soon as I got home, everything was fine. Everything was fine. I, I was able to shed all that energy. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't being smothered by all of this energy anymore. And then I was okay. So I have another memory. I remember being underneath this jungle gym with my best friend, Rachel, every single day at recess when we were little. We would go and we would find ourselves hiding underneath. We didn't think we were hiding, but in hindsight, we were definitely hiding underneath this jungle gym and we would just talk during recess. And then the lunch ladies or the recess monitors, that's what they were called. The recess monitors would come over and yell at us and tell us, girls, you have to get up and move around and exercise. That's what recess is for. And so we'd reluctantly climb out from underneath this little metal structure and we'd climb around on top of it and look like we were doing something for a minute and pretty soon we'd be back underneath it. And at the time, I just assumed that they were right and we were being lazy. But in hindsight, I look back and I remember how it felt. And it's because it felt safe underneath there. Um, it felt like we were hiding and no one could notice us. It was like this little oasis on the playground full of all of these people and all of this energy. Right around the same time, I had a teacher... And I remember her coming up one day, so frustrated. Oh, I could just feel her intense frustration. And she put tape on the back of this mirror so it was like double sticky, you know? And she slapped this mirror down on my desk so it was now taped to my desk. And she said, there, now you're going to know how ugly you are when you don't smile. Which, as we all know, is absolutely the way to make an unhappy kid happier. <laughs> For sure. But I think back to how, how much frustration she had in that moment. And I can only imagine that she must have really been trying to uplift me prior to that. Um, there's no other reason I can think of why my quiet misery <laughs> would have pissed her off so badly. Um, I wasn't ever outward in it. I'm sure I was just sitting, you know, stewing in this pain of all of these people around me. But with that kind of energy around me, it's no wonder I was uncomfortable, you know? All through my life, people have confided in me. That's a, a trait that a lot of empaths have. We're super, super, super compassionate and understanding. And so people want to talk to us. I didn't understand that that's what was going on. And there was more to it that I discovered later. And I'm wondering if any of this is things that you can relate to. Maybe you were a highly sensitive kid. Maybe the people around you realized it. Maybe they didn't. I was really lucky. Most people um, might not be as lucky as this. I had a mom who was aware of this kind of stuff and she started researching really early on because she knew something was going on. She realized that she had a really psychic, you know, energetically sensitive kid. I apologize for that word. I know it's I know the P word makes us cringe, um, so I try to avoid it when I can. So she was aware that there was more going on, which is why she was compassionate about picking me up and taking me out of school when it was overwhelming. 
So let's fast forward now. Fast forward, buzz, 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 up to age 18. So I had graduated high school a year earlier. I'd gone to work in my family business. I was helping out the family and I was going to junior college. I had great friends. Um, and out of seemingly nowhere, I plummeted pretty swiftly into a really, really dark clinical depression. And there was no discernible reason for it that anybody could find, certainly not one I could find, and I was looking. It wasn't a fleeting thing. It, it really stuck around. So I had to address this in some way. Um, you know, you have to eventually, you have to either fight for your life or let it win. So as I was fighting, part of the fight was to follow the traditional routes to get a really good uh, doctor, like a psychiatrist, get on all the right medications, get a really good therapist. I did all those things. I lovingly look back and call those years, there was five or six years there um, through my early 20s. I call those my traction years. And the reason that I called them that is because I remember my therapist telling me one time that if I had been in a really severe car accident, and I was in a full body cast, people would understand. They would look at me, even if they didn't know what happened, and they would see the full body cast and they would understand and they would have compassion that it was probably gonna take years of traction for me to be able to walk again and function as a normal human being. That it was gonna be pretty much my sole focus, recovering. And that the depression that I was in was no different. It was just more challenging when it came to other people, because they couldn't see that. They couldn't understand. They saw, you know, days where I seemed normal and, and I was still working and I was still doing things and they saw times where I laughed and then they would see that I would, you know, share that I was feeling suicidal or I was, um, you know, hadn't gotten out of bed for days or I'd been up all night crying and then come into work the next day. So people were having a hard time sometimes understanding and so lovingly, I call those my traction years. I really, really was dedicated. And I'm so grateful that I have such an unshakable hope because that hope helped carry me. Now, during those years that I was going through doctors and therapists and medication and all the Western stuff, at the same time, I began studying meditation. I began studying energy work and learning about myself and what was going on. Um, I studied with several teachers. My primary teacher was Nancy Anagnost, who is a remarkable human being and master teacher. And I studied pretty intensely with her for, oh, five or six years. And in that time, as I was studying, I really, really began to understand that I was not wired quite the same way as your average person. I got introduced to this whole new world. I learned how to speak to my higher self and tap into those energies that brought me immense relief and healing. I learned that what I had been doing my whole life without knowing completely subconsciously was taking on everyone else's energy and then processing it and giving it back to them because if they felt better, then I could feel better. 
since I had no boundaries and I was this little sponge absorbing, absorbing, absorbing everyone's energy, I had to make everybody else feel okay so that I could feel okay. (laughs) And this is all completely unbeknownst to me that I was doing all of this. So I was processing and absorbing everything around me and making other people feel better. And I just thought, I must be a good listener. There's this one memory that I have and it always stands out in my mind. Um, and I remember how old I was because I because I had this clear notion. I was sitting at the dining room table of our babysitter who was like my mom's age one summer. And she was pouring her heart out to me. She was crying and she was telling me about the trouble in her marriage and should she get a divorce or stay and what should she do? And I was giving her all this advice and I was being the shoulder to cry on. And <laughs> this, this is the one and only time that this happened to me. I mean, that kind of thing happened a lot, but this is the one and only time that this like moment of adult awareness happened. All of a sudden, I was aware of how weird this was. And I had this thought like, what the hell is this lady telling me all this for? I'm eight years old. <laughs> and most of the time, it didn't seem strange to me at all. I just gave this advice. I had no life experience. What was I doing giving someone advice on her marriage and her problem with her, you know, her husband and his stepkids and like this, what was I doing? Where was I getting this information? I would just hand it out. I just, yeah, I just did what I do to do. But in that one moment, I had this awareness and I'm so grateful. I know that it was just a beautiful like gift because it just plopped in the back of my brain. And then I went on with the conversation with her. I didn't think much of it. But because that happened much later in my life, when I was able to look back, I remembered that moment and I thought, oh, this is what's been going on all along. And because I've been absorbing people's energy for all these years, by the time I hit 18 and I started absorbing the stress of family business and all of these really adult stresses that I didn't have the nervous system yet to process and to hold, and I just sort of put it all on my back. After I'd been doing this for all of these years, it was like this last straw and the camel's back broke and I'm the camel. And that was what led to the depression. That was what started spiral downward. So I wonder if you can relate to any of that. Maybe you can relate to having some kind of a challenge and that being the thing that pushes you along on your spiritual journey. Maybe you can relate to having experienced depression or anxiety, or there was a point in your life when that straw on the camel's back broke you. One of the first things I had to do right after understanding what it is that I was doing energetically was learn how to turn it off. And that's been a ongoing, beautiful practice, learning how to turn off the extreme sensitivity, the empath sensitivity. Sometimes when I hear empaths talk about um, how sensitive they are, what it feels like to feel the world around them, And maybe you are an empath and don't even realize it. Or maybe you are some sensitive in some other way. Uh, Actually, I'm certain that you are. And together we can help figure out what that is because it will someday be a beautiful blessing in your life if um, if you want it to and you learn how to use it. 
I began learning how to turn this off and how to control it. And as I did, I learned healthier ways of healing the people around me because that's really what I was doing. My teacher (laughs) called me one time an out-of-control healer, and we both laughed because I knew it was true. She said, oh, you're just an out-of-control healer. And we laughed and laughed, and it's something that is hardwired into me, um, but I didn't know how to do it or how to be of, you know, how to heal the people around me, the world, whatever I needed to heal or wanted to heal. I just was doing the best work around that I could figure in my system. So I started to learn ways of healing that were not detrimental to me. Totally revolutionary concept. And I started to uncover all of these other gifts that I had, these other intuitive abilities that I had no idea about. I didn't realize that I had all of these gifts that were kind of hanging out beneath the surface. One of those gifts is that I can talk to really anything without words. Um, Well, I guess we use words, but not verbal. So if it has energy, I can talk to it. And that means that I'm able to talk to guides or angels or your loved ones that are passed on, um, your higher self, soul, spirit, inner being, whatever name you like to give it, but the greater version of you. Um, And let me tell you, being able to have a conversation with your own soul, your own higher self, this infinitely wise part of you that's got the whole board game, (laughs) like can see the whole big picture, is pulling strings for you all the time, it can be really, really life-changing. So over the years, as I began doing this, I learned to do it for myself. And then I was able to do it for other people as well. I learned that there weren't really any limits on what I could talk to. I could talk to a tree. I could talk to someone's pet dog. I could talk to a wild mountain lion. Um, If it had energy, I can have a conversation with it. And that was developed over the years that I was studying all of this work. It was so cool. And as I was doing all of this, I was healing my depression Maybe this is a part of the story that you can relate to. Maybe you have begun to discover or you are aware of some of your intuitive abilities. And I say some because I'm sure there are more that you don't know yet (laughs) because it's a pretty rich topic. Or maybe you're completely oblivious to them and you think, you know, this is all pretty woo-woo weird stuff. Or maybe that only certain people have these abilities and I promise you that's not true. We will get into that in future shows, I hope that I get the chance to help you discover and uncover and harness and benefit from and savor and appreciate and enjoy the intuitive abilities that you have. Truly, this work that I have spent the last 22, 23 years, (laughs) obviously my work is not math, the last 23 years doing has taken me from this incredible, profound absence of joy. That's really it's really what depression is like. It's an absence of joy the way that um, suffocating is an absence of air. It, it has kind of a similar feeling. And it's taken me from the most unhappy person that I knew to the most joyful person that I know. 
having that profound absence of joy really, really carved a desire in me for years for greater, deeper joy and happiness. And I have dedicated my life now to the creation of that. It's not something that you stumble on and find. It's a practice and it takes effort and it's worth it a thousandfold. Okay, let's fast forward in the story. Fast forward, fast forward. Um, I'm in my mid-20s now. I've healed from the depression. I moved to Hawaii. I was working in Hawaii. I was still doing all of this work because it was absolutely mandatory (laughs) for my health and happiness and well-being that I continue it. Um, It brought me so much joy. And if I slipped for a while and kind of got lazy about my practices and my continued expansion in this world, um, you saw, I saw um, things in my life begin to get harder and um, my happiness start to go down and the struggle start to go up. And so it would kickstart back into, oh gosh, boy, I need to keep meditating. I need to keep talking to my higher self. I need to keep living from this place. And I go back into my practices of energy work. So one day I was driving down the street and I pulled up at a stop sign and I have the memory is so vivid. I know exactly which stop sign it was. It was a four-way stop and luckily there were no cars because as soon as I pulled up to the stop sign, I sat bolt upright and the words blew out of my mouth without any, I was not trying to speak at all. And the words that came out were like, I have to teach a meditation class. And it surprised me because that is not the way that I receive information. I receive information in a whole myriad of ways, but never like that. Never uncontrollably out of my mouth, out of the blue. That was so, the the one and only time in my life that has ever happened to me. So that tells you how clear and undeniable this particular, I was going to say message, I'm going to say command. <laughs> if this was quite commanding, um, playfully, I'm going to playfully use that word. I am not, I don't get commanded in some weird way, but like this was very, very clear. This is what you're supposed to do. And I, at this point in my life, had been living connected to all of this energy for so long that I didn't question. Um, okay, maybe I questioned but I did. I did whatever message my higher self sent me. I didn't usually question. This one, I'm certain I was like, what? (laughs) Because I had never thought about being a teacher. I'd never thought about making this a career. I didn't think about that still for many years, but I never thought about teaching. I never thought about any of this stuff, but I was doing it really for me. And then I was kind of sharing it with some people close to me. So I gathered up a few of my closest friends, very nervously said, um, you know, I, I do this thing and you know, maybe a little bit about it, but I didn't, I didn't talk about this stuff very much then. So it was really pretty quiet because I had seen that as I shared with people, sometimes they would be a little weirded out. They'd be like, you know, (laughs) no one was ever, ever bad to me about the, in my entire experience, actually, I've never had anybody, um, be negative to me about the work that I do. I'm so infinitely grateful for all of the support that I've received. 
And, but I would feel sometimes people's energy be a little bit like, Ugh, when I would say, you know, oh yeah, I talk to dead people. That's like a weird ass thing to do, right? So I didn't, didn't tell people usually, unless it kind of came up. And then maybe I'd be like, yeah, I meditate. Or they'd be like, how come you're so happy? Well, I put a lot of work into this. So that very, very first class that I taught of these tools, and these are tools that um, I'll tell you more about it later, but this is work that's been passed down since ancient Egypt and ancient Asia and master teacher to master teacher to master teacher. And it is a lineage that I am so humbled to be a part of. Like I said, it was not my plan, <laughs> but it picked me. So coming up this spring is going to mark 15 years since that very first class. 15 years since that very, very first class. And I think maybe it was like three of my friends um, or four sitting in, um, in I was going to say my living room. No, sitting in my studio apartment. <laughs> wasn't really a living room as I was teaching that class. And last year we had um, 80 students doing the class and it's virtual now. So it's pretty incredible. It's grown a lot over the years. It's gone from you know, four weeks when I started it to 20 weeks now, it's pretty amazing. And I'm humbled constantly that I get to do this in the world. So fast forward now, that was 15 years ago. And now fast forward to today, what does my life look like? I would say that I get to live outside the box. I get to live a life where I am First and foremost, deeply and profoundly and constantly connected to and aware of this universe. Source, creator, God, goddess, great spirit, you give it the name you want. Deeply connected to my higher self, to the aspects within me, to all of this incredible, infinite seeming non-physical support team that I have. Um... No decision goes without all of this support, and it's it's seamless now. Um, in the early days, I had to stop and ask a question. Now I feel it constantly. Um, you know, we still have conversations, but it's it's moment to moment in my life, a part of my life constantly. I get to cultivate and always come home to playfulness and silliness. And that's really, really, really thanks to having done this work for so long. And I'll tell you more about that in the next episode, because it's actually really incredibly profound. I get to live in this unbridled wildness. I get to howl at the moon and roll naked in the mud and lead retreats for incredible people around the world. I travel, I get to be with and connect with and meet soul family, people who I know I have done this experience with multiple times. A bunch of you are probably in that camp. I get to love my full range, the full range of emotions, the full range of being human. I call it humaning, right? When we're here, we're doing all this stuff. I call it humaning. I get to embrace my feminine and my masculine. 
energies. We'll talk about that as well. I really get to walk into the shadows. I am not afraid of the shadows. I lived there for a really long time. So it doesn't scare me to walk into the shadows, be it my own or with my clients. And we just walk in and we bring love. You know, we walk into those dark, hard, scary, shadowy, shunned, shame-filled places. And we bring light. And we bring acceptance. And we bring healing and love. We let those parts of you get reabsorbed, reacquainted, re loved and appreciated back into the system and bring this amazing healing. I get to work in concert with my higher self. <laughs> That's a phrase I've been saying as I've been trying to figure out how to explain this. How do I figure out how to explain this to, you know, someone who hasn't done this work before? And so I thought living in concert with my higher self that yeah that's really like that's how it works because it's like we're dancing all the time and yeah that makes no effing sense Kara <laughs> it turns out <laughs> but a dear friend of mine gave me a great better explanation she had the other day she was she was going off on how happy and how grateful she is since she started this work she started studying with me a year ago but we've been friends for a very long time. And she said, I just can't believe, I can't believe all the things that have changed in my life. And I get to have these conversations with God and I get to have these conversations with my higher self and everything has shifted and odd. And she was going on and on and on. And she said, it's like I'm in on the secret. Like you've known this all along and now I'm in on the secret. And I was like, that's it. That's it. That's the description right there. I'm in on the secret. The secret of the universe, the secret of how this actually works and what we're actually doing here. So thank you. <laughs> I hope there's some nuggets in here that you can take away. Stick around. Episode two, we're going to talk about what the heck is playful spirituality and where that came from. And I will see you next time deep bow of gratitude to you, my friends, for showing up for yourself and taking the time for this experience. If you enjoyed this, and I hope you did, it would mean so much to me if you would write a positive review. And please share this with your friends who you think might enjoy it. My team has set up some free presents for you, including a guided meditation, an energy healing, and a sneak peek into one of my programs. So go to caraviana.com to download those. And be sure to keep your ears open. The doors to Master Your Magic Intuitive Development School are opening again very soon. With the deepest love, cheers to all that you are.